disgusting character, I think the injection of a small innocent girl bleeding the lyrics of Oscar Hammerstein may be helpful in letting the onlookers know that there is another side of this nauseating character. The father and stern parent, head of the household, bulwark of the American home, ready at a moment's notice to fight for old glory in the land he loves. On this patriotic note, I will sign off, hoping you are the same. Love and kisses. And on that note, I commend to you what follows. These sweet, touching, and hilarious letters from a man I assume you miss as much as I do. The remarkable life and 72-year career of my father, his three wives, two daughters, and one son. I have survived it all. Mine is the story of some 50 years of unique and wonderful moments with him. My father gave me a great deal of joy and fun growing up. He was a stern parent, but overall I have nothing but good feelings about him. If I have one complaint, it's that he made himself too important in my life. He was so interesting and humorous that he made the boys and men I dated seem dull in comparison. These letters were written to me by my father over a period of nearly 30 years, from 1938 to 1967. I was 10 years old when our correspondence began. I am grateful that I saved his letters, and I am proud of my father and happy to share these letters with you. August 4th, 1939. Dear Mir, received your note this morning. From the length of it, I wouldn't dignify it by calling it a letter. All I can gather from it is the feeling that you never want to come home. It's really not safe to allow a child away from home alone, because they get to realize too quickly that they don't need their parents. I'm sorry that you can't see the back lot now where we're shooting the circus stuff. It's full of circus clowns and elephants, and you could realize your dream of riding on the elephant's back and swinging from high trapezes. However, I imagine you are having a better time up at the ranch, and I guess it's just as well. The house is terribly quiet now with Arthur and Coronado and you away, and even Lillian admitted that she'd be glad to clear up the mess you make when you get through with a fudge orgy, if you're only home. Duke has grown considerably and is beginning to resemble a water buffalo in size. His feet are plenty large, and I think he has a good deal of growing to do before he is finished. The other day he ate half a ping-pong racket and he seemed to think it was pretty good. Some night, if he's real good, I may let him eat a baseball bat for dessert. You apparently think Duke belongs to you, don't you? Well, I had it out with Duke one day when we were together on the bike. I said, Duke, who do you belong to, Miriam or me? He looked up at me and winked. He said, I like Miriam. She's a nice kid and occasionally brushes my coat and throws me a bone. But to compare her to you is sheer folly. Why, Groucho, old boy, you are my man. That's the first time he ever called me Groucho, and believe me, I was thrilled to my fingertips. He usually calls me Julius, and to hear him saying Groucho affected me deeply. Well, anyway, as he trotted along beside the bike, he continued. You know, I can never forget the hundreds of miles we've done together in rain and sunshine, the dogs I've fought and run from, the cats I pursued up trees. I've lived my life with you, and I can never be anyone but yours. Well, I have to go now and do a million things. All my love to you, and as many kisses as you will accept. Your pappy, Groucho, Julius, Padre, Shorty. The Warwick Hotel, New York, November 1st, 1941. Dear Orphan, you must be very happy now with the whole house at your command and the flunkies under your thumb, but I imagine you'd rather be here in New York throwing nuts at the squirrels or vice versa. About my own plans, I am very indefinite. I should know something in the next 10 days or so, so study hard, 
Drink lots of milk, bathe frequently, hang up all your clothes, keep your room tidy, pay particular attention to your homework, don't use any lip rouge, wear a raincoat and rubbers when it's raining, brush your teeth thoroughly, masticate your food slowly, eat very little candy, don't flight with those big nasty boys at Beverly High, see that Duke is brushed and bathed daily, don't give the gales any back talk, and keep those big mitts off the capot. This long-winded preamble is just to tell you that I love you and wish you were here. Right soon, because I always get a belly laugh out of your childish scrawl. Your doting padre. New York, November 14th, 1941. Dear Pooch, As you can well understand, things are a little confused and will probably remain that way for some time. I'm leaving here and will arrive home on the 28th. That'll be two weeks from the day this letter is written. I have a lot to tell you when I see you. Things that are hard to write in a letter, but they can wait. Your padre. It was during this trip to New York that my mother and father decided to split up. This is probably what he meant by things that are hard to write about in a letter. The Mayflower Hotel, Washington, D.C., April 29, 1942. Tomorrow we are having tea at the White House. I hope they have pumpernickel. Love and kisses, Dada. Sunday morning in Oakmogee. It is 104 this morning, and the only sounds are the buzzing of flies and the tolling of the church bells. I tried to take a walk down the main street, but there is no shade, and after a block of aimless wandering past a few chain stores, I ducked back to the comparative cool of the hotel. I've had one letter from you since my departure. Eight days. But I guess that feeble mind of yours is unable to ad-lib two pages of dialogue. I may cut you off without a nickel. I'll first wait and see how I fare the balance of this tour. This is a sample of the dialogue on our tour. A soldier, a healthy one, sidled up to me and said, Mr. Marks, I'd like to ask you a question. I said, Yes, son, what is it? He said, John Wayne was here last week. I said, Well, expecting more. He said, John Wayne was here last week. Realizing finally that this was the finish of the conversation, I said, I'll think it over and let you know tomorrow. Well, write and tell me all about the painting, and Duke, and your job, and how you are, and a scandal from the reporter, which, oddly enough, I don't miss at all. All I miss are you, and Art, and Ted, and Kay, and Duke, and my mansion, and those cool nights. Love and kisses, and I'll be home soon. Your loving padre. Groucho was on an army camp tour when these postcards were written. Kay was Catherine Marvis Gorsey, who became his second wife. February 19, 1945. Dear Mir, it was nice to hear your voice yesterday and to know that you are going to return to our little 15-room nest. I was also glad to hear the twins' voices and Katie. I'm very fond of the twins, and I've been toying with the idea of marrying both of them. You see, combined, they're almost 36, and that would be a nice age for a girl for me to marry. As a matter of fact, I'll most probably marry one considerably younger, but you might ask the twins about it and see if they're interested. I have a good deal of furniture and enough money to live on if they'll pay for Duke's dog meat. Duke seems pretty lonesome for you, and I think he just reflects my own attitude. The twins were Jane and Phyllis Murray, daughters of the famous dance instructors Arthur and Catherine Katie Murray. Hotel Leamington, Oakland, Friday, August 24, 1945. Dear Mir, remember this hotel? It's where you and Kay race down the halls and the waffle parlor where you were afraid you would have to wash the dishes, and the lagoon where we went boating, 
and Arthur going away, and it was fun and then kind of sad, too. The town is still the same, full of sailors and mildewed buildings. And now it's all over, and perhaps Art will be back for Christmas. Armistice Day was really something in San Diego. The police feared the inevitable riots and closed everything. The result was it was impossible to get anything to eat. And if it hadn't been for the popcorn that was sold in the movie theaters, the whole town would have starved to death. I'm glad you're having a good time. I miss that doer kiss of yours, perusing the funnies in the library. But as Noel Coward put it, I'll see you again. All my love, and when I get home, I'll write you in more detail. Padre. This letter was written to me at Bennington College, Bennington, Vermont, where I was a freshman. Groucho had married Kay on July 21st. She was 24, I was 18. Arthur had joined the Coast Guard. October 18, 1945. Dear Mir, I read what you wrote about the Dinah Shaw show, and I don't agree with you about the English sketch. I thought it was funny, and so did a lot of other people who heard it. I am not particularly proud of my radio appearances. They are guest shots, and I have very little control over the quality of the material. I don't have the advantage of Alan or Benny or any of the other comics who are permanent fixtures and work their way all through a script and can rely on events that happened in the shows weeks previously for laughs. I have to go to bat from scratch each time I appear. You might explain this to those frosty friends of yours who sit apathetically through my seven-minute contribution. I am glad you are now smoking a pipe. I think since Arthur and I both smoke pipes, you should also have the pleasure of puffing one. Perhaps I'll send a can of Blue Boar to you for Christmas. You conclude by saying, what do you think of the world's plight, and what about the London Council? A scientist by the name of Oppenheimer testified yesterday before Congress that it was conceivable that in the very near future, 40 million people could be exterminated with a series of atomic bombings.